there's a book that was written by Brother Tinney, and the title of the book, I will never forget it because I feel like this every week. The title of the book is this, Sunday is Coming. <laughs> you, have, you guys have no idea what that means. Because when I'm done here today, Sunday is coming. And all I can say is, Lord, how do we get to next Sunday? What do you want to say? What, how do I prepare for next Sunday? So every time Sunday comes, Sunday is coming. You don't want to live your life like that unless God told you to live your life like that. Because that is just ridiculous. I'm not lying to you. Sunday is coming. So, I don't know, middle of the week I said, Jesus, Sunday is coming. He says, go to John chapter 15. So stand with me and go to John chapter 15 because Sunday is here. (laughs) Sunday is coming. Oh, my Lord. Oh, What do I say? I, I usually get off. Um, Sunday afternoons, I do nothing. I mean, if I got to go to the hospital and visit or whatever I got to do, I do that. But hopefully most normal Sundays is my, probably my only little bit of time to myself. Because once Monday get here, I'm back on the grind. I teach Bible studies on Tuesdays, Wednesdays I'm preparing, Thursdays we're here. You know, Friday I'm at the prison if I'm not doing something. Saturday I'm here. Sunday, we're right here again. Sunday is coming. And so this is um, only the Lord can work his work in a man or a woman to do this. Because we could not do it under our own ability. It wouldn't work. We don't have the capabilities. John chapter 15. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, yes. John chapter 15. How about we start in verse number four? The Lord's going to help us this morning. He already did, but he's going to help us now with his word. He, you know, he helped us by his spirit this morning. Now he's going to help us by his word. Amen. John chapter 15, verse number four says this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Herein. Is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. You may be seated. I want to entitle this message today, Without Jesus, We Can Do Nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Tell your neighbor, without Jesus, you can do nothing. Tell your other neighbor, without Jesus... You can do nothing. Oh, my Lord, help us this morning. 
One of the interesting things about what we just read here uh, in the scripture, in the text we just read, is the statement where Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus says. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, what's interesting about that statement is listen to the language. That sounds like someone that's self-centered, braggadocious, thinking that they all that in the bag of chips. This is not ordinary language from a man. What man in this room or what man that is in this world can make such statement without me? You can do nothing. We'll look back at him and say, man, you're crazy. Get out of here. I can do whatever I want. No saint, no prophet of God, no apostle, no teacher, no evangelist, no pastor would ever have addressed a company of faithful Christians that way. Without me, you can do nothing. Hmm. But here is the beauty of that statement. Had Jesus been, as some have already said, just a good man? Had Jesus been just a teacher or a prophet and nothing more, then that statement would be erroneous and crazy. But because Jesus is almighty God, manifest as man, he made that statement and that statement was true. And that statement was justified that without me, you can do nothing. Because he was almighty God manifest and we can do nothing without God. You don't sound like you believe it. Let me go on a little bit more. Had Jesus just been anybody else except for who he was, that statement would have been erroneous. Without me, you can do nothing. That's probably a good text to understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Nothing else. Because no prophet had ever made that statement. I don't care how great Elisha was or Elijah was or Jeremiah or Isaiah. didn't matter who it was. None of them made the statement, without me, you can do nothing. But Jesus did because Jesus is almighty God. And he is the one that is capable and able to make things done and happen. Understand this, Jesus did not make this statement to just a general group of people. He was talking to his disciples. He didn't tell just regular people, without me, you can do nothing. He told his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. Interesting. Listen to this. When Jesus said, without me... You can do nothing. He is referring to spiritual things, not natural things. He wasn't referring to the natural things that we understand. Going to work, being a carpenter, being one that built homes, being a fireman, 
being an accountant. You know, stuff that we know how to do, building things and making things. That's not what he's referring to when he says, without me, you can do nothing. He is referring to godly things. He's referring to spiritual things that without him, we can do nothing. And so we have to ask ourselves, the spiritual things that we're doing, how are we trying to get them done? If Jesus said without him, we can do nothing, then what are we doing about the spiritual things we're trying to do? This text, as Jesus likes to do, he likes to... Use the natural occurrences of this life, of this world, to teach us spiritual things. And in this particular text, he says, ye are the branches. And he is the vine. And so when you look at a tree and try to get an understanding of that, you kind of get a little understanding of what he's saying when he called us the branches. Hmm. You can see the branch on a tree, but you can't see the vine. Without me, you can do. But at the same time, we can't visibly see him so we can understand that. And it's so difficult for us as people to believe the things we cannot see. People, we got to get over that. We have to realize that the unseen is more prevalent than the seen. I know it sounds kind of weird and it doesn't sound normal, but the unseen is more real than the seen. All right, let me, let me, let me explain that to you. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. It means everything will be destroyed that you can see. There's a scripture that says, seek those things that are above. And not the things on this earth. Seek those things that are unseen. And not the things that are seen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that are unseen is eternal. And so we got to get comfortable with understanding that the unseen is more real than the seen. That's a difficult challenge. That's a difficult uh, statement for us to understand that's just the way it is. But we have to accept that. We have to work on that. As a matter of fact, we probably don't pray like we're supposed to pray because we're praying to a God that we're not seen. And so it's challenging for us uh, to be, be, be faithful and committed to something that we don't see. But I'm telling you this morning, church, just like we felt his presence, just like we were able to worship and he, he inhabited us, we have to make it real like that every day. The unseen seen is realer than the seen. And as long as we keep thinking that, well, I don't see it, and we based our actions off what we see, we're going to be in trouble because the unseen is more real than the seen. He says, we are the branch and he is divine. And we like to Take a look at stuff. 
You look at a tree, you don't see the vine. You just see the branch. And you see what comes on the branch. And that gets your attention. But you never stop to think, how does the whole process really work? Jesus is letting us know, apart from him, we can produce nothing. We can make nothing. We can create nothing. We can bring forth nothing apart from Jesus when we're talking about the spiritual. And I have to say it again, the spiritual is more real than the natural. This means... If Jesus is not working in our life, if Jesus is not abiding in us, we can do nothing. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can we except we abide in Jesus. This is a necessary word to talk about this morning. Because I want to help you not frustrate yourself. We frustrate ourselves because we're not bearing any fruit. And somehow we don't take the responsibility. We say, well, maybe God just want to use somebody else. We won't take the responsibility for why we're not bearing fruit. We say, it's not my season. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is supposed to make us one with him. He abiding in us and we abiding in him, which will produce grand, spiritual, and practical outcomes. Can I tell you this? When we show up, if we're abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in us, we will do the profound things among people. We will do the miraculous things around people. Not that we will do it, but the vine that is in us, the the spirit that is in us. When we show up, the supernatural is all possible if we are abiding in Him and He in us. But we Show up and not believe that we are that kind of people. We're the supernatural. Uh, It's showing up and God is working in us. We have to realize it's God's good pleasure to work his work through us. God is not like, we talk about this a little bit. Yesterday we had some ministers after we were done with our ministry. We were just shooting the breeze, kicking it a little bit. And one of the things that is, is, is talked about, especially nowadays, is how we, we like to get credit for ourselves. And because we like credit so much, we try to keep everything to us. And we want everything that happened, we want it linked to us so we can get some credit. And because of that, we hinder the work of God. Help me somebody. Jesus taught us. Some of them guys said Moses taught us, but I'm going with Jesus this morning because Moses did teach too. But, but Jesus taught us. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven. So he had all power. But guess what he did? He said, even though I have all power, 
I'm not satisfied with that. And, and, and I'm not going to be as efficient walking around this world for 50 years or for 100 years. Just me just doing all the miracles. Come on, help me somebody. Jesus purposely gave away his power so he can be more effective. When you're leading anything and you're hoarding the power, hoarding the control, that's not Jesus' way. And you won't get too far with that. And so we talked about that yesterday. We said, hey, you know, those are some of the things that we need to get over. Is not allow ourselves to get so locked into getting all the credit. Especially when we're living for Jesus. See, if we were at our secular job, let's be real. At our secular job, our boss is not all-knowing. <laughs> our boss is not omniscient. So guess what? I, I got to make sure he understands I came up with this process to now work within the office so we can be more effective. So I, I need my boss to know that because that might become a raise one day. He's not all-knowing. So we got to make sure our bosses at work know. But Jesus, he's all-knowing. You don't have to make sure anybody know of what you do. You don't have to go and make sure somebody knows that I did this. Because Jesus knows you did this. And nobody can reward you better than Jesus can reward you. And so I don't have to let everybody know what I'm doing or what I've done or who I've given something to or how I've worked in the kingdom to see a lot of things done. No, I'll just serve the Lord. I'll trust that he's all-knowing and he sees everything and he will reward us. Sometimes... We get jealous of each other when the Lord decides to reward. And unfortunately, you're getting jealous and you have no clue what kind of work the people put in. Because I want you to be a, a really intelligent, smart church. Let me throw this in. I understand that some preachers kind of abuse the office of a pastor and do funny things. I, I do get that. But for the most part, a lot of times people like to say this. Yeah, the pastor taking the money and doing this and doing that. And I'm not telling you no lie. Sometimes that's true. But here is what we never stop to think about. What about it's this way? And because I'm up and coming and I'm watching this, I can say it. What about if it's this way? That man's been so faithful from the day he came to church. He loved everybody. He gave his stuff to everybody. He gave his life to everybody. He does this and he does that, and God is just blessing him. That's not it? That can't be it sometimes? Because that's what it is most of the times. Because the longer you stay faithful to God, the more God is blessing you. And sometimes the preacher has stuff because he's been given or she's been given for a long time. And God says, and I'm going to take care of you. I don't know if we stop to think about that sometimes. Or we just, just lump them all in. Yeah, man, watch out for them preachers. <laughs> it's tough being a preacher. Yeah. I said, um, 
I was telling somebody the other day, one of the ministers, I was saying, I said, man, when the day come where I can't work a secular job and I have to be a full-time pastor working, well, that's not true. I'm a full-time pastor now, but still working a secular job. But the day is going to come where the Lord is going to tell me, let go of that secular job and do everything for me within my body. And I'm going to have to say, yes, Lord. And guess what? My living is going to have to come through the church. When that day come, I'm not going to be able to buy nice cars anymore. Oh, I'm, you got a real pastor here this morning. That's, that, that's, why, that's, why I, that's why I bought my last car. I said, maybe this is the last car I can buy with my money. Y'all, I'm just letting y'all write in. You want me to let you write in? My last car I just bought. I said, Wayne, while you have your regular job, get that car because you know what? When you got to go full time, you better not buy no nice car because that church is going to talk about you. That's just the way it go. You know, my big son teased me, Dad, just get whatever you want. I said, son, it don't work like that. I know what you're saying. The, the young people are just different. But, but, but you have to realize that, you know, people will draw conclusions, and whether you like it or not, that's just how they see it, and that's how they're going to address it. So the day is coming where I'm going to have me a jalopy for a long time, and not until it's, like, totally broke can I decide the upgrade. Upgrade. You can't be taking the church money and get no car. Man, help me, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Lord, just keep me living close to the church. If it break down one Sunday morning, I can just walk to church. <laughs> Listen to me. Fruit is the visible expression of the power working inwardly and invisibly. Let me say that again because it went over your head. You're still laughing at me. Fruit is the visible expression of power working inwardly, invisibly. So when you look at that tree and you see the fruit on the branch, I don't know if right away we start giving the branch the credit. But that branch could not bring that fruit if it wasn't that invisible vine that's inside that branch that is causing that fruit to bear. And so the character of the fruit is evidence of the character of the power producing it. And so the fruit that we see on the tree really has nothing to do with the branch, but it has everything to do with what that tree is and who is that tree, which is identified by the vine that's within inside the tree. And so when we become as human branch and the spirit of God that is in us is working, the fruit that is produced has nothing to do with us. We're just carrying the fruit. We're just the one holding the fruit. But the fruit has nothing to do with the branch. It has everything to do with the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. Lust is the work of the flesh. Can you see lust? Ah, you can't see lust, can you? Okay. So, lust is the work of the flesh. 
but love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, temperance, and meekness is the work of the Spirit. Can you see the Spirit? You can't. So why are we wrestling with understanding the importance of the Spirit of God? Lust is real. And we know it by the act that is performed. But you can't see lust. You know lust when you see the act of it. Well, guess what? You can't see the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you know he's in there because of the work, the fruit that is coming forth. And so this morning, I'm telling somebody here that without Jesus, we can do nothing. We have to allow the Spirit of God divine to work in our life in order to produce fruit. We don't want to buy into the invisible. We don't want to buy into the unseen. But the unseen is more real than the seen. Because the things that are happening that is that that, that is significant, they're happening by the unseen. The devil is working in people's life trying to destroy people, but you can't see them. We don't want to believe that alcoholism is the devil working. We don't want to believe that addiction is the devil working. We don't want to believe the things that are evil and ungodly that the devil is working and we can't see him. So why do you think you're doing that? You think you were born like that? That mess we talk about we were born that way. Watch babies how innocent they are. You tell me if they were born that way. Let's watch them from the day they come out the womb. When they come out the womb, we see them in the hospital and watch that innocent baby when we rock them asleep, when we change their diaper, when we love them up and everything that we do to them. Watch if they was anything other than an innocent kid knowing nothing. And somewhere along the line, things started happening. We don't want to believe that stuff started happening. Because if we start believing that, it means we probably was a little responsible because we took our eyes off of. But ain't nobody born like that. We're all born innocent. And because of the things that are unseen, starting with the devil, we pick up bad habits. We get exposed to ungodly things and sinful things. And then we start doing them. But we weren't born that way. Don't, no, don't let nobody tell you we're born that way. God didn't create anything evil. God created all good. He even created Lucifer good. But Lucifer decided he wanted to be evil. God never created anything bad. What the Bible says, all good and perfect gifts come from above. And so everything God touches, everything God created, it was good. But man and even the devil has done things and corrupt what God has made good and made it bad. That has nothing to do with God making anything bad because he didn't. So let's not buy into that hoax that anything was born like that. We just got to grow up and call things the way they are. What we always hear, 
if you don't admit that you have a problem, you can never be cured from that problem. Is that true or not? Whatever we're struggling with, if we don't finally admit to it, guess what? We're we never going to get over that. And sometimes we remain in, in sin and remain in our struggles and remain in our bad situations because we won't admit that it's sin. We won't admit that it's bad. We won't admit that it's a struggle and it's not good for us. We just keep on going because we don't want to admit. But if we will admit it, then the work begins. When they tell you at every addiction place, you have to admit that you are. It's like trying to get saved and telling God, but I'm not a sinner. The Bible says, if you say you have not sinned, you are lying. And the truth is not in you. So in order for us to get saved, we got to admit that we are sinners. Because <laughs> if you're not a sinner, why would you need saving? So the bottom line is, if we're going to move past what we are bound by, we have to admit it. And when we admit it, we give the Lord the right to start working in our life. And so the fruit that gets produced, as I like to tell you, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit and name nine fruit of the Spirit. But I believe that there's eight fruit of the Spirit. And Everything else come from the fruit that is called love. So if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, temperance, and meekness. And so I would tell you this. Love produce all of those things. So I don't count love as one of the fruit of the Spirit. I count love as that's what the fruit is. The Bible says God is love. And so if the, if, if the vine, if what's inside is God, then everything else that comes is from the character of God. And so God is love. And if you go in uh, 1 Corinthians and probably look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm sure you will see where it says love is this, love is that, love is this. Well, go look and see if you don't see those words in there. So if you see those words in there, then that's telling you because of who love is, joy is produced. Peace is produced. Long-suffering is produced. Goodness is... I, I, need to, I need to work with that. And I don't even want to work with that. Jesus, I'm ready to go home. You, you're not on your own when you're working for Jesus. Because <laughs> I could just close the book up now. Let's stand. And he just let me get down into something that I don't want to get down into. We can't say... <laughs> they ready to go home. Hey, Sister Patricia, you got that on the on the uh, camera? They thought I said stand. And I was trying to explain that I want to stand and pray and go home, but God just had me to get into something I don't want to get into. So let me get into it before I cause any more confusion. If we say we love, we're going to have joy. We're going to have peace. We're going to have long-suffering. Listen to me. You can't love and be ready to give up because people make, made you mad. You, 
You can't get so mad with people that you're ready to give up if it's real love. Because the Bible says love is patient, but let's use long-suffering for patience here. And love, goodness. You, you, we got to show goodness if we say we love, and we got to be gentle. So when we got to tell the truth, you can't be haughty and mean to tell the truth. You got to be gentle in telling the truth. We can't say we love and not be faithful. What did I say last week? You can't come home three days a week and tell your spouse, I'm being faithful, ain't I? The other four, you do whatever you want. Temperance and meekness. If we say we love, those characteristics must show. We can't say we love and none of those characteristics show up. When we demonstrate the fruit of the spirit we just mentioned that that is in Galatians 5:22 and 23 I believe along with the fruit of righteousness along with the fruit of holiness along with the fruit of faith along with the fruit of forgiveness we will also produce the fruit of a converted soul if the fruit of the spirit is manifesting in your life and is manifesting because of what's in you because you can't do it without him being in you without him you can do nothing so to produce the fruit that needs to be produced Jesus has to be in you and so we cannot get so frustrated with the Lord of what we think should be happening in our life that's not happening and we're not dwelling in him and he in us. If we're going to see people converted, then we have to make sure Jesus is working in us. You know, it's funny. You can talk to somebody to you blue in the face. And somehow it seems like they only do what's in you, not what you told them. Some of y'all might not, not have experienced this. But if you happen to be a Christian, they got a whole lot of flaw. And you decide you want to win somebody to the Lord, lead them to Christ. A lot of times what we've seen, if you and them stay arm in arm, when they come to church, they're going to become like you. Ooh. Oh, it's a fact. I've watched that. Whoever win you to the Lord, you stick with them long enough, you become like them. And not what they say, but what they do. Because we are just only who we are by what we do. One of the funniest things that happens to us as people is people speak all this kind of stuff, make it pretty and sound a certain way. But then smart people look in your life and say, I hear what you're saying, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> Let's be smart about that. You can make it pretty. You can make it sound good. You can say you're doing this and you're doing that. But somebody intelligent is going to sit back and say, I hear you. They're not telling you that, of course. I hear you. But I'm looking. You go tell people, hey, you got to go to church. 
Yeah, God's going to bless you. And you tell them that all the time, but you only go to church once a month. Then they start going to church once a month. Yeah, we only can produce what's in us. We don't produce what we say. We produce what's in us. That's scary. I'm riding to church this morning. I have three kids with me. I have my two youngest and I have my granddaughter. And of course, the biggest one in structure is the boy. And so I look back in the back of my car and the boy is in the middle like this and put the two girls on the side. The little one, the littlest one, she wiped by the door. I'm like, dude, why you have her right by the door? He got to sit in the middle because you got to see what's going on. You want to hear something crazy? 50 years ago or a little over 50 years ago, there was somebody else that liked to do that. I got to see where I'm going. So if I'm in the bus, I got to be right in the front of the bus. Wherever I'm sitting, I got to sit where I can see where I'm going. I'm there. Then 29 years ago, another one pop up, and he did the same thing. Me and my wife driving and talking, and he in the middle like this. That was 29 years ago. Now, almost nine years ago, another one come and do the same thing. None of us saw any of us when we were kids. How is that possible? Because you only produce what's inside of you. God. And so many of us in here today have those testimonies, right? You, you look at what came from you, and sometimes you wish they would be something else, but no, they you. And, we, and, and sometimes we, we scream after them and even beat them at times for them to stop being like us. Because you know you see them doing it, and you're mad because you come to realize that you don't like that about yourself, but here come your child doing that thing you don't like about you. And you're going to have to correct them too. Like you corrected yourself and made yourself stop doing that, you're going to have to correct them so they can stop doing that. Because we produce what's in us, not what we say. But that's Bible. I see Crystal and Isaiah over there talking. You can't get away from it. Either you don't have kids or you have kids and just deal with it. (laughs) You can't circumvent that system. Either you don't have kids or if you have them, Sean and Ethan, and if you have them, they're going to come out just like you. What you don't like about your wife, it comes out. What you don't like about your husband, just don't get so frustrated with them. Because it's you, and they can't help that about them. You just have to work with them so they stop doing what you didn't like about yourself that you did. It's what's in us that's producing what comes out of us. Do you know that if there's only, if there was only 10,000 real Christians in the world, if each one of these 10,000 real Christians will bring one person to the Lord every year, the world would be reached in less than 20 years. You know what that tells me? Jesus knows what he's doing, and we're just not following his method. 
What Jesus left to tell us is reproduce yourself. Just like you do it in the natural when you have children. You need to do it in the spiritual. Reproduce yourself. If you're a real Christian and saved, ask yourself. People always get quiet in church when I talk about this. Jesus, help me, please. Because they always get quiet when I'm about to say we need to reproduce ourselves. Why we get quiet on that? We feel good about having babies. Yeah, I have my baby. But we don't want to have babies in Christ. We love having the baby that we can love my baby. And you don't even realize. Just like how you produce a baby in the natural and they love you and you love them and great things happen and you help them and they help you. If you do it in the spiritual, it will happen. Listen, my best friend today is Warren White. How did me and Warren White became friends? Taught him a Bible study. He got saved. I put him under my wing. Come on, brother. Wherever I went to, come on, brother. Whatever I'm doing, I pick him up. That's my friend. Pastor in church up in Newark now. And so I got a I got a I got an awesome Christian friend. That's the same as having children in the natural. Because as you all know, especially if you've been around a little bit, eventually your children raise up, and because you raise them right, they able to now help you out, put some things in you too, help to be a blessing to you. If you raise your children right, they will take what you gave them when you raised them up, and they will run with that and things that they learn. They will put it together, and now they become a blessing to you. That's what happens in the natural, doesn't it? Well, it happens in the spiritual as well. That's right. Somebody agreeing with me. Her boy went and picked her up this morning. She didn't know what she was raising, but she did her best that she could. And now her boy, a preacher, and this morning he came to church, and he said, listen, my mom want to come to church. I got to go get her. So all that she put in him and all that he has learned, now he's being a blessed. But somehow we're afraid to do that in the spiritual that's how the spiritual work. The same way you reach somebody and love somebody and teach them about the word of God. Give them what's in you and they will become a blessing too. All right. Let me finish up here. I don't know about you, but I long to take place or to take part, I should say, in what the Lord is doing in reaching the world. If I'm going to be a part of what God is doing in this world, or if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be a part of what God is doing by helping to lead people to Christ. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I don't want to do is live for God. I don't, I don't never like to feel like the outcast or feel like the one messing up everything. And if God saved us all to help us all, to, to, to have us help him with his master plan, I don't want to be sitting on the side and be like, I'm good, Lord. 
Y'all got it. I don't like to do that. What happened to the generation? They old now. But for some reason, the other the generation that's coming up haven't caught on to this. So I got my foot. I'm like John the Baptist. My age group, this revelation here. My age group is John the Baptist. We have one foot in the old and one foot in the new. I was John the Baptist. That's my generation. I'm 50 years old. I'm John the Baptist um, um, generation. One foot in the old, one foot in the new. So I can speak on both sides. And so uh, the, 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 the old timers, the ones that's seasoned now, when they were growing up, all they know is if they see somebody doing something, they just start helping. No questions asked. I watched it many times growing up. You see somebody doing something, you just start helping. I've watched where... People will just watch until the, the, the older person says, all right, go do this. So what happens is you see an uh, a elder person back then, you know, you younger and they're a lot older but not old. And you watch them and you see them doing something. You stand there, you watch, stand there, you watch. It might be a couple of days. And eventually they say, come here, take this and take over there and do this. And now you're involved. You're happy that you can do something, help out. We don't have that no more. Now I'm back. Let me put my foot in the, in the new. The new? Oh, that's what you're doing? Okay. Good. Oh, God. What, what happened? Jesus, what happened? He said, different generation. That's just the way it is. Let's not get all, you know, worked up about that. Just different generation. And that's the way it is. But that's what it used to be like. You see someone doing something, especially someone older than you, you want to help out or you stand around till they ask you to do something. Are you excited to do something? Nowadays, nobody want to help you do anything. They want you to take care of them. Just do it and give me something out of it, but I don't want to have no parts of that. Yeah, that's the way it is now. And because we John the Baptist, we you know, all the people like that's like John the Baptist, I'm saying, I get it. I get it. I'm serious. Just like we were talking in Sunday school this morning. You know, we had some valid points about just how we need to stay focused on God and all that stuff. But then we still have to deal with the era that we're in, with the technology that we have going. And how do we deal with that and still stay consecrated and still be right with God and still be focused? It's tough. And we need the Holy Ghost to help us. Because it's not easy to navigate staying righteous and holy and living right, but 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 still allow ourselves to to to, to to do the right things, but still able to lead people to Christ. If we try to share Christ with others, but not have Christ in us, we will accomplish nothing. And so sometimes we're wondering why we're not affecting our families. Don't get mad. Maybe we don't have Christ in us the way we need to have him. And we'll talk about that in just one second. No, don't, don't let it upset you. Just challenge yourself. If we preach Christ, and we teach Christ and not have Christ in us, we will accomplish nothing. If we are loving people without Christ, we will accomplish nothing. If we're trying to be holy and we're trying to be righteous without having Christ in us, we will accomplish nothing. And so that's where the rubber meets the road, as the old timers would say. And so you have to ask yourself, Am I going to frustrate myself? 
If you don't get involved and let Christ work through you, then you will be like what Brother Henry said this morning. You will find yourself out of Christ and wondering how that happened to you when you really have a good heart. There's a lot of people that I, I, you do have a good heart and you're a really nice person. But if you don't put the effort into Christ, then you won't have Christ working in your life. And you know what that, what that does for you? Now it makes you kind of just not put more effort in because in your mind, I'm not seeing any results. And because I'm not seeing any results, I'm, I'm, I'm more apt to not do as much anymore. But the less you do, the less you'll see results. The less you do, the less you'll see results. And it continues to be that way. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we? We're not producing the fruit that the Bible said we must produce. And at the same time, I don't want to live out in the world. How do I not frustrate myself? Because you'll get frustrated if you stay in that position of not producing any fruit. But you're not going out to live apart from Christ, and so you're right there. But sooner or later, you'll walk away from Christ. Because nobody likes to live an unproductive life in any way, shape, or form. If you're going to be one that's evil, you feel productive. You just live being evil. Ask Hitler about that. He decided he was going to live evil. But to him, that was productive. Then you have somebody that decided, Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Ford, he decided I'm going to make cars. He felt productive making cars. I'm just telling you, most of us are built that way to feel like we have to live a productive life. And whatever you call productive, that's productive. But the bottom line is, Christ created us that way, that we will have the desire to live a productive life, but not the life we thought that he, that, that we should live as productive. It's the life that he called us to live in a productive way. And that's what God is asking us to do, is to allow him to abide in us and we abide in him that we can live a productive life. And so John chapter 15 in verse 6, it says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Each branch that does not continue to abide in the vine is removed from the vine. The branch seems physically attached, but it is not organically a part of the tree because it does not participate in the life-given flow of the vine. Sooner or later, that branch will drop off and have to be discarded. That's what I just explained to you. If we don't live a productive life, we will dry up. If we don't live a productive life, we will become unproductive or we are unproductive. And when you are unproductive, nobody have use for you. The devil don't even have use for people. That, that's not doing his work. Never thought about that, huh? The devil don't want, if you either on his side or he's going to destroy you. And when you're not productive, it means you're in the middle. What's another thing for being unproductive? Lukewarm. Bible says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So 
being in straddling the fence, being in the middle, all of that stuff, it's unproductive. And you are worth nothing to nobody, not the good nor the evil. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Abide. Abide. Here we go because that's the most important thing about what we have discussed here about all of this good stuff. You have to learn how to abide. What does abide mean? And I'm going to close with this. Abide means it's a verb, first of all. Verb, action word. Hello. Hello. So abide is an action word. It's a verb. I got a school teacher in the back. She know what I'm talking about. Right, Sister Kelly? Yes? All right. She gave me the finger and said, yes. It's a verb. It's an action word. And so abide is to stay in a given place. Abide is to stay in a given place. Man, we can use that for so many things. Stay in church and you will stay in Jesus. Stay in church and you will stay in Jesus. Stay in prayer and you will stay in Jesus. Stay in love and you will stay in Jesus. We got to stay right where Jesus wants us to be. We got to abide and we will be what God wants us to be. So it means to stay in a given place. Abide. Continue to dwell. Again, stay. Abide means to endure. Abide means to be present. Abide means to remain. Abide means to stand. Abide means tarry. We're moving and God is saying, abide. We're moving and God is saying, stay. We're moving and God is saying, I want you to dwell, remain, tarry. We need to abide. And if we abide in him, His word will abide in us. And then that's how we will produce much fruit. I'm going to challenge you this week. And here's how I'm going to challenge you. Because the only way we can abide is prayer. So, I don't know what your schedules look like. But how about we challenge ourselves we can start this for the summer. Summer was officially, what, Friday? And so let's start our summer off right. And let's try to make sure at least during the last watch we take an hour to spend with Jesus, however you want to spend it. So you might want to pray a lot and just read a little or you might want to read a little and, and pray a lot or read a lot and pray a little or or worship the Lord or or just just meditate on whatever it is. Let's just take an hour every day except Sunday. Since we're gonna be here Sunday. Let's take every day except Sunday, one hour, 
and spend with Jesus. The last watch is between 3 a.m. to 5.59 a.m. Me personally, I'm going to get up at 5 and from 5 to 6 do my thing. Some might could do that same time. Others may have to do from 4 to 5. But don't get into 6 o'clock. Because 6 o'clock is when the day is supposed to start. And you don't want to start the day without Jesus. That's why I'm setting it up this way. You don't want to start the day. And if you want to be really honest with yourself, if you work a job and you, you know, work a normal 8 to 4, 9 to 5, whatever it is, if you get up any time after 6, your day is going to move along. You won't have time to spend with Jesus. So if you will try to spend one hour with Jesus during the last watch, that's between 3 a.m. and 6, let's not say 6, 5.59 a.m., preparing yourself for that day to abide, to stand, to tarry, to, to, to allow him to dwell in you and you in him. If we will put that kind of time in, we will begin to produce fruit. And not just fruit, but much fruit. One hour, however you want to do it. Prayer, reading, meditating, listening to worship music and meditating on Jesus. Whatever you need to do to get Jesus just just working in you. So when you hit that door to go out into the world... You are ready because you are abiding. And now whatever transpired that day, you will bear much fruit because Jesus is abiding in you. It's not because you're great. It's not because you have something going on. It's because Jesus is working in you. And so he will begin to produce the fruit on your branch. And people are going to look at you like you're some great thing. And then you just go on in your car or you go in a restroom or you take a walk outside and you talk to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to let any pride raise up in me because the bottom line is I am the branch and you are divine. And this fruit that these people think is hanging from this tree has nothing to do with me, but it's you that's working in me. And I give you praise and thanks for all of what's going on. And we just trust the Lord for that. Can you work with me on that? Will you like to try that with me going into this? summer one hour every morning except for sunday morning you just give that time to the lord whatever you have to do to wake up that last watch one hour i promise you you will see a difference in your life will you stand with me i don't want to be frustrated and i don't want to be one that's unproductive and so I know through the word of God that without Jesus, I can do nothing. And I don't want to live my life doing nothing. Will you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And I want you to hear this morning and then pray yourself what you want God to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we understand that without you, we can do nothing, Lord. Let us, O oh God, truly become productive in you. Lord, we cry out to you and we ask for your will to be done in us. Lord, we are making a commitment and we are declaring that we will spend an hour with you in the morning. Lord, we want to be in the last watch. So between 3 a.m. 
and 5.59 a.m. Lord, within that time, we want to spend time with you so you can abide in us. Lord, whatever struggles or challenges that that day will bring, it's oh, will be so much better with you in us and us not being outside of you. Oftentimes, we're fighting battles with you not being in us, with us not being connected to you. But this morning, this afternoon, Lord, we pray for connectivity. We pray that we will abide in you. Will you help us, Lord? For every person in this room, Lord God, will you wake them up at the hour that they must wake up, Lord God? No matter what's going on in their life, will you touch them? Will you shake them and wake them up at the hour, Lord God, that they must seek you, where they must abide in you, that that day will bring about productivity. That day will bring about fruit being produced in their life. Not because of what we do, but because of what you will do through us. Father, we love you. Father, we pray that you hear our cry and realize, God, that we're sincere this morning. We're sincere in being what you want us to be. Lord, forgive us. Because, Lord, we probably could have bared so much more fruit than we have bared, Lord God. And some of us, we haven't bared any fruit. But, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will become obsessed with loving you, living for you, and abiding in you, that we can do what is pleasing unto you, which is, my God, to produce much fruit. Father, we want you to be glorified. And we know the only reason you can be glorified in us is if we allow you to abide. And, oh God, your word abiding us. And, Lord, we will grow and produce much fruit uh, for the glory of God. I pray this morning that for every person here today, Lord God, they will truly be touched by you in a special way. And that, Lord God, we will be awakened every morning in the last watch and able, Lord God, to abide in you. Father, I love you. Father, I thank you for, the, for this word today, for this time of being together. I pray that as we go from this place, the power of God will keep us. The word of God will dwell in us and that we will speak and abide the as the Word of God permits us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. We give you praise and honor for all these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Somebody say, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Listen, the Lord just reminded me of a word that he dropped in my spirit this morning. And so here is what abiding will consist of. For all of us that are Christians, here's what abiding will consist of in us. Obedience and submission is how you abide in Christ. Listen to me. Obedience and submission. We obey God and we submit no matter what. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that Jesus said to Saul, he said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And so a lot of times coming to church, we look at it as a sacrifice. But the Lord wants you to know that your obedience to his word is better than your sacrifice. Obey God, and when it gets hard to obey him, just submit under his authority. 
and you will abide in Christ. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Don't forget about the cake. Cake will be in the back for all the graduates. We always have beef patties for our building fund.